0: Section three of the State of the Union Addresses, eighteen forty-nine to eighteen fifty-six. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. State of the Union Address, Millard Fillmore, December second, eighteen fifty, Part one. Fellow citizens of the Senate of the house of representatives being suddenly called in the midst of the last session of congress by a painful dispensation of divine providence to the responsible station which i now hold i contented myself with such communications to the legislature as the exigency of the moment seemed to require the country was shrouded in mourning for the loss of its venerable chief magistrate and all hearts were penetrated with grief neither the time nor the occasion appeared to require or to justify on my part any general expression of political opinions or any announcement of the principles which would govern me in the discharge of the duties to the performance of which i had been so unexpectedly called i trust therefore that it may not be deemed inappropriate if i avail myself of this opportunity of the reassembling of congress to make known my sentiments in a general manner in regard to the policy which ought to be pursued by the government both in its intercourse with foreign nations and its management and administration of internal affairs nations like individuals in a state of nature are equal and independent, possessing certain rights and owing certain duties to each other, arising from their necessary and unavoidable relations, which rights and duties there is no common human authority to protect and enforce. Still, they are rights and duties binding in morals, in conscience, and in honor although there is no tribunal to which an injured party can appeal but the disinterested judgment of mankind and ultimately the arbitrament of the sword among the acknowledged rights of nations is that which each possesses of establishing that form of government which it may deem most conducive to the happiness and prosperity of its own citizens of changing that form as circumstances may require and of managing its internal affairs according to its own will the people of the united states claim this right for themselves and they readily concede it to others hence it becomes an imperative duty not to interfere in the government or internal policy of other nations and although we may sympathize with the unfortunate or the oppressed everywhere in their struggles for freedom our principles forbid us from taking any part in such foreign contests we make no wars to promote or to prevent successions to thrones to maintain any theory of a balance of power or to suppress the actual government which any country chooses to establish for itself we instigate no revolutions nor suffer any hostile military expeditions to be fitted out in the united states to invade the territory or provinces of a friendly nation the great law of morality ought to have a national as well as a personal and individual application WE SHOULD ACT TOWARD OTHER NATIONS AS WE WISH THEM TO ACT TOWARDS US, AND JUSTICE AND CONSCIENCE SHOULD FORM THE RULE OF CONDUCT BETWEEN GOVERNMENTS INSTEAD OF MERE POWER, SELF-INTEREST, OR THE DESIRE OF aggrandizement. TO MAINTAIN A STRICT NEUTRALITY IN FOREIGN WARS, TO CULTIVATE FRIENDLY RELATIONS, to reciprocate every noble and generous act and to perform punctually and scrupulously every treaty obligation these are the duties which we owe to other states and by the performance of which we best entitle ourselves to like treatment from them or if that in any case be refused we can enforce our own rights with justice and a clear conscience in our domestic policy, the Constitution will be my guide, and in questions of doubt, I shall look for its interpretation to the judicial decisions of that tribunal, which was established to expound it and to the usage of the government sanctioned by the acquiescence of the country. I regard all its provisions as equally binding in all its parts. it is the will of the people expressed in the most solemn form and the constituted authorities are but agents to carry that will into effect every power which it has granted is to be exercised for the public good but no pretense of utility no honest conviction even of what might be expedient can justify the assumption of any power not granted THE POWERS CONFERRED UPON THE GOVERNMENT AND THEIR DISTRIBUTION TO THE SEVERAL DEPARTMENTS ARE AS CLEARLY EXPRESSED IN THAT SACRED INSTRUMENT AS THE IMPERFECTION OF HUMAN LANGUAGE WILL ALLOW. AND I DEEM IT MY FIRST DUTY NOT TO QUESTION ITS WISDOM, ADD TO ITS PROVISIONS, EVADE ITS REQUIREMENTS, OR NULLIFY ITS COMMANDS. UPON YOU fellow citizens, as the representatives of the states and the people, is wisely devolved the legislative power. I shall comply with my duty in laying before you from time to time any information calculated to enable you to discharge your high and responsible trust for the benefit of our common constituents. My opinions will be frankly expressed upon the leading subjects of legislation and if which i do not anticipate any act should pass the two houses of congress which should appear to me unconstitutional or an encroachment on the just powers of other departments or with provisions hastily adopted and likely to produce consequences injurious and unforeseen I should not shrink from the duty of returning it to you, with my reasons for your further consideration. Beyond the due performance of these constitutional obligations, both my respect for the legislature and my sense of propriety will restrain me from any attempt to control or influence your proceedings. With you is the power, the honor and the responsibility of the legislation of the country the government of the united states is a limited government it is confined to the exercise of powers expressly granted and such others as may be necessary for carrying those powers into effect and it is at all times in a special duty to guard against any infringement on the just rights of the states over the objects and subjects entrusted to congress its legislative authority is supreme but here that authority ceases And every citizen who truly loves the Constitution and desires the continuance of its existence and its blessings will resolutely and firmly resist any interference in those domestic affairs which the Constitution has dearly and unequivocally left to the exclusive authority of the states. And every such citizen will also deprecate useless irritation among the several members of the Union, and all reproach and crimination tending to alienate one portion of the country from another. The beauty of our system of government consists, and its safety and durability must consist, in avoiding mutual collisions and encroachments and in the regular separate action of all while each is revolving in its own distinct orbit. The Constitution has made it the duty of the President, to take care that the laws be faithfully executed. In a government like ours, in which all laws are passed by a majority of the representatives of the people, and these representatives are chosen for such short periods that any injurious or obnoxious law can very soon be repealed, it would appear unlikely that any great numbers should be found ready to resist the execution of the laws." but it must be borne in mind that the country is extensive that there may be local interests or prejudices rendering a law odious in one part which is not so in another and that the thoughtless and inconsiderate misled by their passions or their imaginations may be induced madly to resist such laws as they disapprove such persons should recollect that without law there can be no real practical liberty that when law is trampled under foot tyranny rules whether it appears in the form of a military despotism or of a popular violence the law is the only sure protection of the weak and the only efficient restraint upon the strong when impartially and faithfully administered none is beneath its protection and none above its control you gentlemen and the country may be assured that to the utmost of my ability and to the extent of the power vested in me i shall at all times and in all places take care that the laws be faithfully executed in the discharge of this duty solemnly imposed upon me by the constitution and by my oath of office i shall shrink from no responsibility and shall endeavour to meet events as they may arise with firmness as well as with prudence and discretion the appointing power is one of the most delicate with which the executive is invested i regard it as a sacred trust To be exercised with the sole view of advancing the prosperity and happiness of the people it shall be my effort to elevate the standard of official employment by selecting for places of importance individuals fitted for the posts to which they are assigned by their known integrity talents and virtues in so extensive a country with so great a population and where few persons appointed to office can be known to the appointing power mistakes will sometimes unavoidably happen and unfortunate appointments be made notwithstanding the greatest care in such cases the power of removal may be properly exercised and neglect of duty or malfeasance in office will be no more tolerated in individuals appointed by myself than in those appointed by others i am happy in being able to say that no unfavorable change in our foreign relations has taken place since the message at the opening of the last session of congress we are at peace with all nations and we enjoy in imminent degree the blessings of that peace in a prosperous and growing commerce and in all the forms of amicable national intercourse the unexampled growth of the country the present amount of its population and its ample means of self-protection assure for it the respect of all nations while it is trusted that its character for justice and a regard to the rights of other states will cause that respect to be readily and cheerfully paid. A convention was negotiated between the United States and Great Britain in April last for facilitating and protecting the construction of a ship canal between the Atlantic and Pacific Oceans and for other purposes, the instrument has since been ratified by the contracting parties, the exchange of ratifications has been effected, and proclamation thereof has been duly made. In addition to the stipulations contained in this convention, two other objects remain to be accomplished between the contracting powers. First, the designation and establishment of a free port at each end of the canal. Second, an agreement fixing the distance from the shore with which belligerent maritime operations shall not be carried on on these points there is little doubt that the two governments will come to an understanding the company of citizens of the united states who have acquired from the state of nicaragua the privilege of constructing a ship canal between the two oceans through the territory of that state have made progress in their preliminary arrangements the treaty between the united states and great britain of the nineteenth of april last above referred to being now in operation is to be hoped that the guarantees which it offers will be sufficient to secure the completion of the work with all practicable expedition it is obvious that this result would be indefinitely postponed if any other than peaceful measures for the purpose of harmonizing conflicting claims to territory in that quarter should be adopted it will consequently be my endeavor to cause any further negotiations on the part of this government which may be requisite for this purpose to be so conducted as to bring them to a speedy and successful close some unavoidable delay has occurred arising from distance and the difficulty of intercourse between this government and that of nicaragua but as intelligence has just been received of the appointment of an envoy extraordinary and minister plenipotentiary of that government to reside at Washington, whose arrival may soon be expected, it is hoped that no further impediments will be experienced in the prompt transaction of business between the two governments. Citizens of the United States have undertaken the connection of the two oceans by means of a railroad, across the isthmus of tehuantepec under grants of the mexican government to a citizen of that republic it is understood that a thorough survey of the course of the communications is in preparation and there is every reason to expect that it will be prosecuted with characteristic energy especially when that government shall have consented to such stipulations with the government of the united states as may be necessary to impart a feeling of security to those who may embark their prosperity in the enterprise negotiations are pending for the accomplishment of that object and a hope is confidently entertained that when the government of Mexico shall become duly sensible of the advantages which that country cannot fail to derive from the work, and learn that the government of the United States desires that the right of sovereignty of Mexico in the isthmus shall remain unimpaired, the stipulations referred to will be agreed to with alacrity. By the last advices from Mexico... IT WOULD APPEAR, HOWEVER, THAT THE GOVERNMENT ENTERTAINS STRONG OBJECTIONS TO SOME OF THE STIPULATIONS WHICH THE PARTIES CONCERNED IN THE PROJECT OF THE RAILROAD DEEM NECESSARY FOR THEIR PROTECTION AND SECURITY. FURTHER CONSIDERATION, IT IS TO BE HOPED, OR SOME MODIFICATION OF TERMS MAY YET RECONCILE THE DIFFERENCES EXISTING BETWEEN THE TWO GOVERNMENTS IN THIS RESPECT fresh instructions have recently been given to the minister of the united states in mexico who is prosecuting the subject with promptitude and ability although the negotiations with portugal for the payment of claims of citizens of the united states against that government have not yet resulted in a formal treaty yet a proposition made by the government of portugal for the final adjustment and payment of those claims has recently been accepted on the part of the United States. It gives me pleasure to say that Mr. Clay, to whom the negotiation on the part of the United States has been entrusted, discharged the duties of his appointment with ability and discretion, acting always within the instructions of his government. It is expected that a regular convention will be immediately negotiated, for carrying the agreement between the two governments into effect the commissioner appointed under the act of congress for carrying into effect the convention with brazil of the twenty seventh of january eighteen forty nine has entered upon the performance of his duties imposed upon him by that act it is hoped that those duties may be completed within the time which it prescribes the documents however which the imperial government by the third article of the convention stipulates to furnish to the government of the united states has not yet been received as it is presumed that those documents will be essential for the correct disposition of the claims it may become necessary for congress to extend the period limited for the duration of the commission the sum stipulated by the fourth article of the convention to be paid to this government has been received the collection in the ports of the united states of discriminating duties upon the vessels of chile and their cargoes, has been suspended pursuant to the provisions of the act of congress of the twenty fourth of may eighteen twenty eight it is to be hoped that this measure will impart a fresh impulse to the commerce between the two countries which of late and especially since our acquisition of california has To the mutual advantage of the parties been much augmented peruvian guano has become so desirable an article to the agricultural interest of the united states that it is the duty of the government to employ all the means properly in its power for the purpose of causing that article to be imported into the country at a reasonable price nothing will be omitted on my part toward accomplishing this desirable end. I am persuaded that in removing any restraints on this traffic, the Peruvian government will promote its own best interests, while it will afford a proof of a friendly disposition towards this country, which will be duly appreciated. The treaty between the United States and His Majesty the King of the Hawaiian Islands, which has recently been made public, will it is believed have a beneficial effect upon the relations between the two countries the relations between those parts of the island of st domingo which were formerly colonies of spain and france respectively are still in an unsettled condition the proximity of that island to the united states and the delicate questions involved in the existing controversy there render it desirable that it should be permanently and speedily adjusted the interests of humanity and of general commerce also demand this and as intimations of the same sentiment have been received from other governments it is hoped that some plan may soon be devised to effect the object in a manner likely to give general satisfaction the government of the united states will not fail by the exercise of all proper, friendly offices, to do all in its power to put an end to the destructive war which has raged between the different parts of the island, and to secure to them both the benefits of peace and commerce. I refer you to the report of the Secretary of the Treasury for a detailed statement of the finances. The total receipts into the Treasury for the year ending the 30th of June last were 47000000 $421,748.90. The total expenditures during the same period were $43,002,168.90. The public debt has been reduced since the last annual report from the Treasury Department, $495,276.79. By the 19th section of the Act of 28th January 1847, the proceeds of the sales of the public lands were pledged for the interest and principal of the public debt. The great amount of those lands subsequently granted by Congress for military bounties will, it is believed, very nearly supply the public demand for several years to come and but little reliance can therefore be placed on that hitherto fruitful source of revenue. Aside from the permanent annual expenditures which have necessarily largely increased, a portion of the public debt, amounting to $8,075,986.59, must be provided for within the next two fiscal years is most desirable that these accruing demands should be met without resorting to new loans. All experience has demonstrated the wisdom and policy of raising a large portion of revenue for the support of government from duties on goods imported. The power to lay these duties is unquestionable, and its chief object, of course, is to replenish the treasury but if in doing this an incidental advantage may be gained by encouraging the industry of our own citizens it is our duty to avail ourselves of that advantage a duty laid upon an article which cannot be produced in this country such as tea or coffee adds to the cost of the article and is chiefly or wholly paid by the consumer but a duty laid upon an article which may be produced here stimulates the skill and industry of our own country to produce the same article which is brought into the market in competition with the foreign article and the importer is thus compelled to reduce his price to that at which the domestic article can be sold thereby throwing a part of the duty upon the producer of the foreign article continuance of this process creates the skill and invites the capital which finally enable us to produce the article much cheaper than it could have been procured from abroad thereby benefiting both the producer and the consumer at home the consequence of this is that the artisan and the agriculturalist are brought together each affords a ready market for the produce of the other The whole country becomes prosperous and the ability to produce every necessary of life renders us independent in war as well as in peace a high tariff can never be permanent it will cause dissatisfaction and will be changed it excludes competition and thereby invites the investment of capital and manufacturers to such excess that when changed it brings distress bankruptcy and ruin upon all who have been misled by its faithless protection what the manufacturer wants is uniformity and permanency that he may feel a confidence that he is not to be ruined by sudden exchanges but to make a tariff uniform and permanent is not only necessary that the laws should not be altered but that the duty should not fluctuate TO EFFECT THIS, ALL DUTIES SHOULD BE SPECIFIC, WHEREVER THE NATURE OF THE ARTICLE IS SUCH AS TO ADMIT OF IT. AD valorem DUTIES FLUCTUATE WITH THE PRICE AND OFFER STRONG TEMPTATIONS TO FRAUD AND PERJURY. SPECIFIC DUTIES, ON THE CONTRARY, ARE EQUAL AND UNIFORM IN ALL PORTS AND AT ALL TIMES, AND OFFER A STRONG INDUCEMENT TO THE IMPORTER TO BRING THE BEST ARTICLE as he pays no more duty upon that than upon one of inferior quality. I therefore strongly recommend a modification of the present tariff, which has prostrated some of our most important and necessary manufacturers, and that specific duties be imposed sufficient to raise the requisite revenue, making such discriminations in favor of the industrial pursuits of our own country as to encourage home production without excluding foreign competition. It is also important that an unfortunate provision in the present tariff, which imposes a much higher duty upon the raw material that enters into our manufacturers than upon the manufactured article, should be remedied. The papers accompanying the report of the Secretary of the Treasury will disclose frauds attempted upon the revenue in variety and amount so great as to justify the conclusion that it is impossible, under any system of ad valorem duties levied upon the foreign cost or value of the article, to secure an honest observance and an effectual administration of the laws the fraudulent devices to evade the law which have been detected by the vigilance of the appraisers leave no room to doubt that similar impositions not discovered to a large amount have been successfully practiced since the enactment of the law now in force this state of things has already had a prejudicial influence upon those engaged in foreign commerce it has a tendency to drive the honest trader from the business of importing and to throw that important branch of employment into the hands of unscrupulous and dishonest men who are alike regardless of law and the obligations of an oath by these means the plain intentions of congress as expressed in the law are daily defeated every motive of policy and duty therefore impels me to ask the earnest attention of congress to this subject if congress should deem it unwise to attempt any important changes in the system of levying duties at this session it will become indispensable to the protection of the revenue that such remedies as in the judgment of congress may mitigate the evils complained of should be at once applied as before stated specific duties would in my opinion afford the most perfect remedy for this evil but if you should not concur in this view then as a partial remedy i beg leave respectfully to recommend that instead of taking the invoice of the article abroad as a means of determining its value here the correctness of which invoice it is in many cases impossible to verify the law be so changed as to require a home valuation or appraisal to be regulated in such manner as to give as far as practicable uniformity in the several ports. End of section 3